0: Today's scripture reading comes from Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. This section comes just after and right at the end of the greeting from Paul and Timothy. It reads, This is my prayer, that your love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight. I pray this so that you will be able to decide what really matters, and so you will be able to be sincere and blameless blameless on the day of Christ. I pray that you will then learn to be, or that you will then be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes from Jesus Christ, in order to give glory and praise to God. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Amen. I want to start today's message by sharing a graph with you. I know, exciting stuff, but I'm a bit of a data nerd and fair warning, today we're gonna be talking and looking at several bits of data. Here's a Pew Research poll that was released in October of 2019 that showed millennials, and by millennials, I don't mean teenagers, I mean people born between 1984 and 1998. The youngest millennials are graduating college right now. Um, Millennials are the first generation in America to have less than 50% identity. Identify as Christian. Now, if this trend continues, and you can sort of see that trend over time, it's very likely that in the next generation, those identifying as religiously unaffiliated or nuns, as they've been called, they will outnumber Christians perhaps by a significant margin. In his book, Quietly Courageous, the longtime church leadership guru Gil Rendell zooms out to that proverbial 30,000 foot view and acknowledges that we're experiencing an enormous cultural shift from being a convergent culture meaning that people want to be like one another and belong to organizations where they can find a sense of identity uh, think about the norms and the memberships to social clubs that dominated the mid 20th century we're shifting from a convergent culture to now a divergent culture meaning people desire to be distinct and independent diversity is more celebrated than ever before and Ongoing membership to established organizations is simply not valued as it once was. So, you add this cultural shift on top of the decline in identifying as Christians, and it appears as though Christianity and the Christian church in America is headed for a return to the kind of cultural landscape found in the earliest centuries of our movement living as a minority faith in a diverse and increasingly divergent culture, even as Christians in America continue to call this land home. We're in the second week of a series called A Generous Life, and uh, we've been inspecting and we will continue to inspect Scripture and our lives as we consider how God is leading us to live generously as individuals and as a larger beloved community. Last last week, we opened the series by unpacking the recent events in our nation, and we found wisdom in Jesus' teaching, you know a tree by its fruit. This week, let's turn our attention to the church. By that, I mean the church universal, the church in America, and also the church here, the people in place called AUMC. I want to share some of what I see on the horizon for both knowing what we know about the broad trends, and and that we have two basic paths before us in this divergent culture and the declining faith. The first path is a natural reaction for many, to become protective and defensive, and to wish for a a return to the booming Christendom of the 50s and 60s and 70s, or maybe simply a return to life in what felt normal in 2019 pre-pandemic. It's a path that that fears loss in the traditional sense and and is a path ultimately driven by retaining what feels like ours rather than opening ourselves up to what God may have and be offering us. Now, the second path is a harder one to choose, to, to deliberately lean into the disruptions that we've been experiencing for decades as a country and more recently as a result of the pandemic to release ourselves from the throne of cultural dominance and instead to return not to the might and power of a previous generation but to the humility and passion and authenticity of the earliest days of our movement, the days when the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church plant of new believers in Philippi that would later end up enshrined in our Bibles. Essentially, this second path is one of generosity of open minds and open hearts and open hands, gratefully following God where God would lead us. The author of our text this morning, The Apostle Paul, and I never want to assume that anybody here knows what I'm talking about. The Apostle Paul was arguably the most influential early church leader. You know, Paul was a first century Jewish zealot, famous for persecuting Christians until one day he met the Spirit of Christ on a dirt road and he felt called to follow Jesus and to help lead this wildfire faith movement, this Reformation movement within his Jewish tradition. He essentially became a church planter and consultant of sorts, coaching fledgling Christian communities throughout the Mediterranean region, the cities and towns of the Roman Empire. Now, Philippi, by comparison, was a rather small town, only about 10,000 people, and it was largely agricultural, but it was thoroughly Roman, and by that what I mean is, is that the people knew nothing, the Philippian people knew nothing of Paul's Jewish tradition. Their beliefs would be as varied as the crops that they planted. So, Paul writes this letter as he's imprisoned, perhaps under house arrest, in fact, awaiting eventual execution at the hands of the Roman government. And this letter serves as a clarion call to the church holding intention both unity and diversity by rooting themselves in Christ's example. Now, as AUMC, knowing that we are called to be a diverse community where all truly means all, and and where we claim a vision of becoming and I quote a creative constructive forward leaning christian community committed to becoming more like jesus do you remember that vision statement and honestly in a season that feels just a smidge like house arrest let's look closer at paul's opening words for the philippian believers I love that Paul says, our love, and remember, Paul's writing in Greek, that word agape, love, is like a God-sized, universal, big love, that our love will increase as we engage our minds with knowledge and all insights. The more we connect our heads to our hearts, he says, the further God will take us. Barna. BARNA, Barna Institute, is a research and statistics group that studies trends in church and faith in America. In a report that they titled State of the Church 2020, they shared that roughly half of Christians say a growing number of people they know are tired of the usual church experience. Roughly half. The way that church has been, regardless how effective it may have been in decades past, simply is not as compelling a community. For people today. Last week we talked about when Jesus says, you know a tree by its fruit, He was essentially saying that by examining our lives we can see the state of our faith. That will lead us to self-reflection to be sure, but it can also lead us to examine the tree of the church, and perhaps importantly today, to do so through the eyes of those who don't call the church home. Barna asked another question that exposes a deep divide between the fruit that we believe we bear and the fruit that is witnessed in our larger world. They asked this question, what kind of impact do churches, or does the church, capital C church, what kind of impact do churches have In your local community. Now, among practicing Christians, that's us, 94% said the church has a positive impact. That's that green bar there. 5% said we have no impact. That's in the yellow. And only 1% said we have a negative impact. So, yeah, we we think we're doing pretty good, don't we? But then among non-Christians, it's a different story. Only 43% said the church has a positive impact. 39% said we have no impact, and 18% said that we have a negative impact. My friends, one in five people who are not Christian believe our communities would be better off without churches. Another two out of five believe that it would make a lick of difference if we existed or not. Now, Now, I know that correlation does not equal causation, but do you think this might have something to do with why people are increasingly not attracted to church? Now, as the relatively new guy here at AUMC, I got here only in July. I want to affirm that I believe if we were to poll the people around us here in Richardson and far north Dallas, I trust that our positive impact is felt. I can say that with confidence because of emails like the one I received this week from a local resident. I want to read a portion of it for you now. They introduced themselves. They said, we're two long-term queer residents of Richardson, one of us born and raised, And even though we've been quarantining, we always remind each other of your uplifting and kind signs. Got to love that sign, don't we? We miss them a lot. Definitely one of the best parts of driving around. Then they went on to say this, and I want to put this on the screen. I want you to read this and hear these words this morning. Thank you for putting points of light in our lives over the years and in others. If we were ever to feel safe attending a church, it would be yours. Now, that felt good to read. I trust it feels good to hear. But here's my challenge for us moving into 2021 and beyond. Let's triple down on putting points of light throughout our world through word and work into our larger communities wherever you call home. Because I know that not everybody with us this morning online calls Richardson and North Dallas home. As a congregation moving towards greater generosity and knowing that people are looking for something unexpected, something that makes a positive impact, what could happen if we approached our communities with open eyes and open minds and open hearts and open hands until the day that five out of five people could say, our community is better because AUMC is here? So, Paul goes on to say this, I pray this, he says, so that you'll be able to decide what really matters. And so you'll be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. I pray that you will then be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes from Jesus Christ, in order to give glory and praise to God. Now, there's that word again. Did you hear it? Righteousness. Righteousness. This word has become an old friend to us in recent weeks. The root word is this Greek word, dikaios which is essentially, it means to be as God intended, dikaios. It applies to this personal sense of righteousness, living a life that is born of loving God and loving neighbor. But it also applies to creating righteousness, or we could call it justice, in our larger world, so that all of creation is living in God's love as well. Paul says that we can, when we connect our head to our heart and our hearts to the Spirit and one another, We'll be able to discern what really matters, which ultimately is those things that bring about greater righteousness and justice in ourselves and in our larger world. One of the things I love about AUMC is our forward-leaning identity, that phrase that we use in our vision statement. Now, first of all, I just love that we made up our own phrase. We made up this phrase forward-leaning to describe a church where our theology is biblically sound and yet open to conversation and leads us ultimately to social witness, even though I'm personally still campaigning for the use of Justice Unicorn. But that's just me. I'll leave that there for now. Now, second. I love the phrase forward-leaning because as a part of our vision statement, it names our desire to be on that cutting edge of God's kingdom work in the world, that justice component of dikaios. We want fruit of righteous justice that Paul describes to be a primary driver in our work together. Varna released a new study in the summer of 2020 called, Where Do We Go From Here?, focused on the specific topic of racial justice and reconciliation. Now, one specific question jumped out to me as I look with curiosity as to where God is leading us from here to next year and beyond. They had asked a series of questions regarding people's understandings and beliefs about America's history of systemic racism towards African Americans. And here's the question that they asked eventually. How do you think... The church should respond to the African-American community in light of our nation's 400-year history of injustices. How do you think the church should respond? And then they broke the answer down into four generational uh, categories. There's the elders, born before 1946, and then boomers, born between 46 and 64, Gen X, born between 65 and 83, and lastly, millennials, born between 84 and 98. And the people answering, they had several choices of answers, and they could pick more than one. They could pick nothing, lament, repent, personal, or pursue restitution, heal the damage, and lastly, I don't know. Now, the three most popular answers across all generations were nothing, what should the church do? Nothing, I don't know, and repair the damage. But it's the trend in those answers that is incredibly interesting. Before I share this graphic, I want to be abundantly clear about something. I am not sharing this to cast any judgment or to argue that one generation is better than another. I am tired of that conversation, aren't you? I also know that many of us don't feel at home in whatever generation we may have been born into. Trust me, I understand that. I share this data because it's a snapshot of reality, a broad brush, sure, but a snapshot of reality nonetheless, and it gives us a window into how the Spirit may be moving from one generation to the next. Okay, so with all that being said, here's what they found. Now, the first response, nothing. What should the church do in response? Nothing. Here's the answers tracked over generation. You see it moving from elder to boomer to Gen X to millennial. The second response, I don't know, tracked the same way, once again, elder, boomer, Gen X, and millennial. And then finally, repair the damage as a response, again, moving from elder through millennial. Now what does this tell us? What does this data tell us? And I don't want us to get completely bogged down in data sheets this morning, but but I've studied quite a bit of Barna's findings, and I know that while this was in response to racial injustice, similar answers would be given on a number of social concerns, including climate change, corruption, pollution, and extreme poverty. The same kinds of trends exist. Second, what it tells us is that we have a clear generational difference in what we believe is the church's role in response to social injustices. Now, maybe we felt that here at AUMC as we've taken significant steps in recent years to address social justice as a congregation. Or maybe you sense this within your own family or within your friend groups has this proven true for you. Now, remember that Paul's hope for the church was unity, not uniformity, and he knew that disagreement was all but certain within the Christian community. The key to moving forward in our diversity brings us to the third discovery in this statistical snapshot. The third thing this data suggests is that younger generations have been moved by the Spirit to see the church as a primary agent for bringing justice into the world, and that will only increase. We can see the trend line with our own eyes, and I'm confident that churches like AUMC, who, as Paul says, with all sincerity and unashamedly proclaim our desire to generously lean forward into the kingdom-building justice work of God, churches like that Churches like us will only become more attractive to younger people looking for a church just like that. I'm grateful that we are generous in our willingness to speak up and act out on behalf of justice here at AUMC. I'm grateful for our partnerships with groups like Faith in Texas for public advocacy and and justice for our neighbors for immigration legal services. I'm grateful for the generosity expressed just last week as we collected almost $7,000 for emergency rent and eviction relief here in our surrounding zip codes. That is incredible. Now, as we turn our eyes this next year in ministry together. Let's not simply grow in excitement to see these and other other missional opportunities resume. Let's open our minds and our hearts and our hands once again and ask God to lead us in generously pursuing justice in even bolder, higher impact, yet unseen ways. You know, that phrase in our vision statement, forward-leaning, it's an interesting one. Kind of like dikaios, righteous justice, it carries something of a double meaning. There's more than one way to be a forward-leaning church, is what I mean. On on the one hand, it means the justice work that we just talked about, but it could also mean the way we go about being church. What does it mean to be a forward-leaning church, not just in what we believe, but also in how we go about our ministry? If you've been a part of the ministries at AUMC for some time, you'll know that we began this pandemic with a single iPad capturing video from the pews. Right, Aaron? Right, Barry? We, like so many other churches, had to dive headlong into the world of live streaming overnight. And I'm proud that our leadership board and our staff and volunteer team pursued online ministry not just as a temporary fix while we cannot gather in person, but instead see online ministry as a permanent part of who we are at AUMC. For decades, we've been known as a warm and loving Christian community at the corner of Coit and Arapaho, with a big heart for the surrounding Richardson and North Dallas neighborhoods. As we move into this next year and getting back onto our campus and inside our building becomes possible once again, our leadership is going to be working to ensure that AUMC continues that legacy for those who are able to gather here in our building but also for those who gather through online ministry, through worship classes, small groups, and so much more. The question we've been asking as a leadership team is this, is it possible for someone to be a part of the AUMC family even if they never ever set foot on our physical campus? Now that might seem like a crazy question for those of us who have called AUMC home for many years, but it's a question we have to hold on to as we step forward in faith. During this online-only season, did you know that over 30 new families have begun to participate in the ministries of AUMC? We have folks joining the church next week, and they've only ever known us online. We have people joining us for worship and classes throughout the Metroplex and across the country. You may not know this, but I only arrived in July, and I have yet to see a Sunday morning service take place here in our sanctuary. And do I feel like a part of the AUMC family? You bet! My point is this, online ministry is a permanent part of our ministry at AUMC, and while it will certainly never replace sitting in the sanctuary and hugging friends in the hallways for so many of us, online ministry can and will be a meaningful way to gather and grow as disciples during and after the pandemic. You know, anyone who claims to know what the future holds this year is either selling a book or making stuff up, and probably a combination of the two, right? Here's what I do know. As we look into the future, knowing that the church has been changing for a long time now, and the last year has changed so much, seeing generations coming up with less interest in church as usual and more passion for seeing God's love at work in the world, trusting that God will lead us with generously open hearts and minds and hands, this I know. Forward is the way that we lean at AUMC. And forward is the only way that we can go. Forward is the way we lean at AUMC, and forward is the only way we can go. As we find ourselves perhaps returning to our ancient Christian roots, a position of less cultural power, but God willing, greater gospel driven passion, authenticity, and generosity, may we share the prayer of Paul this morning. I want it to, you'll see it on your screens, and this time written for us. This is our prayer that our love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight. We pray this so that we will be able to decide what really matters. And so we will be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. We pray that we will then be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes from Jesus Christ in order to give glory and praise to God. And let all God's people say, Amen. Amen.